Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined this week by Garrick Hodge as Griffin Strom is currently on vacation. So a good time to bring Garrick back on the show because uh, we talked a lot about recruiting on last week's show, but things have remained very busy on the recruiting front, specifically with Ohio State landing three commitments over the last week, uh, starting on Wednesday with uh, Tavian St. Clair, uh, who ultimately became Ohio State's uh, quarterback in the 2025 class. Uh, Griffin and I had talked last week about, you know, how it seemed like things were starting to shift toward St. Clair for him to be Ohio State's 2025 quarterback. And that ultimately came to pass on Wednesday as he announced his commitment to Ohio State on the same day that he went head-to-head with Ryan Montgomery in OSU's uh, seven-on-seven tournament uh, that they do every year at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. So not necessarily a huge surprise to see Ohio State uh, take Tavian St. Clair uh, as their quarterback in the 2025 class, but certainly something that uh, developed quite quickly uh, from the time that Ohio State offered him uh, just about a month ago. I would say that this is example one, two, and three of how quickly things can change in recruiting because publicly a couple days before he committed, he said that he wasn't going to commit anytime before the start of his junior season and was probably going to take a full year to go through the recruiting process, take his visits and all that. And then a couple days later, he's a Buckeye. So it goes to show you. That's why I'm uh, aging gray hairs more than most uh, uh, people around my age. But nonetheless, yeah, it's a huge pickup for Ohio State. Uh, He already got a ratings boost, uh, went from a three-star to a four-star when 24-7 updated their 2025 rankings yesterday. And um, from watching him, um, as much as you have, Dan, I see that this is a guy that loves slinging the football. Um, he's very fun to watch, and I know that you know once uh, Corey Dennis and Ryan Day get their hands on him in a couple of years, they're probably going to tone up the aggression out of him a little bit just to uh, avoid turnovers and all that. But from watching Tavian's film, if it's single coverage and his uh, man's running a fade, he is throwing that rock. <laughs> I, I, like every other clip is basically him throwing to the deep third of the field in a single coverage. I'm like, man, that guy is not shy about his uh, arm strength. But you would think a quarterback like that would probably have a completion percentage around 58 and probably have double-digit INTs. But, and again, it's, you know, it's only high school, but um, only had single-digit interceptions for, I believe, last season and had a completion percentage of 71. So all the talent in the world of Tavian. And, um, yeah, I think Ohio State's got a very great – talented caliber quarterback coming in and you know I know Ohio State's had a lot of problems with quarterbacks that have committed early before a couple months from signing day um, with Kyle McCord being sort of the lone exception to that but uh, considering you know he grew up 50 miles down the road and a big Buckeye fan his entire life I feel pretty confident that this commitment's going to hold and be relatively drama free. Yeah, it's a little bit different for sure when you're talking about a guy who grew up an hour away uh, from Columbus. And so you would certainly think that Tavian St. Clair's commitment to Ohio State is solid. But again, still a long way to go. And so, uh, you, you know, you never know how things might ultimately play out there. And that's why Ohio State is going to continue to recruit Ryan Montgomery. Ryan Day told Ryan Montgomery that he still has a spot in the class if he wants it. That said, and in this again, speaking to another example of how quickly things move in recruiting is, you know, I spoke to Ryan Montgomery on Wednesday afternoon, a little hours before Tavian St. Clair committed to Ohio State. At that time, Ryan Montgomery did not know that Tavian St. Clair was about to commit to Ohio State. That conversation came later in the day after the seven on seven tournament was over. And, you know, at that time, when I talked to him, he said, you know, it would be his preference to be the only quarterback in his recruiting class. He didn't rule out the possibility of being in a two quarterback class. If that's the way it worked out, but uh, certainly indicated that his preference uh, it was to be the only quarterback in his recruiting class. You know, when I when I asked Tavian St. Clair about it uh, on the same day, you know, he had said that you know he thought it would be most likely that him and Ryan would go their separate ways and, and commit to different schools, but. 
you know, that he would be fine with Ryan joining the class, if that was something that ultimately uh, came to be. Uh, you know, we've seen both of them have uh, shared some nice tweets with each other. Uh, since Tavian St. Clair's commitment, they've both always had nothing but good things to say about each other. So there seems to be a lot of mutual respect between those two. Obviously, both Ohio guys, both Northwest Ohio guys, really for that. I don't, I don't, I, I've been hesitant. Like, I don't know if Bell Fountain's really considered Northwest Ohio, but it's, it's kind of up there. Uh, it's Northwest of Columbus for sure. And so those are guys who grew up like an hour away from each other. And so there's a lot of mutual respect there for those two guys. But, you know, I think obviously the big question now becomes, you know, is there a chance that Ryan Montgomery joins Ohio, joins Ohio State's class, joins Tavian St. Clair in this class? And I think the answer is probably not because I think Ryan has a lot of options. I mean, Penn State's recruiting him heavily. Michigan's recruiting him heavily. Georgia's recruiting him heavily. South Carolina. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of offers and he's got still has a lot of options out there where he could go and be the guy in a class and so most likely I think that's the way things are going to end up where Ryan Montgomery is not going to end up playing at Ohio State but Ohio State isn't going to totally stop recruiting him because he is a guy that's it's in state obviously he's got that family connection uh with his brother Luke being a freshman offensive tackle now at Ohio State and you know I I gotta say, like watching Ryan at that same seven on seven tournament, like he was impressive. Like he looked as good at that camp as I've ever seen Ryan Montgomery look throwing the ball. And I believe over the weekend, he also won the accuracy challenge at the future 50, which is a big competition for guys going into their junior year of high school. And so, you know, I've, I've said it before. I, I think Ryan is a high end quarterback prospect. I think he is very much an Ohio State caliber quarterback. It's just that ultimately Ohio State decided that they wanted St. Clair even more. Yeah, I, I think Ohio State believes that uh, while both are great quarterbacks and have the potential to be great college quarterbacks, Tavian just has a little bit higher of a ceiling. And we've seen that Ohio State certainly leans toward that when recruiting quarterbacks and really any position in general. They try to get as big a high ceiling guys as they can. Um, and I spoke to Ryan's father, uh, Mike, the same day that uh, Tavian committed before he committed. And he told me very similar to what Ryan told you, that it would probably wouldn't want to be in a two QB class. It's but it's not a hard no. But sort of like you alluded to, Ryan's going to have a lot of options um, because I think he's really damn good. And I, where he's going to go, I mean, who knows? The, he probably doesn't even know himself right now. He probably just is doing a lot of reevaluating his options now that, uh, you know, one of the big contenders for him is seemingly out unless, you know, there's a change of heart to the, all right, I'll be in a two QB class, which could happen, but I'm not expecting it to. But yeah, it was interesting that uh, they were ready to pivot off of their pursuit of uh, Bryce Underwood right away. Of course, the same thing would go for him. If Bryce Underwood called Brian Day tomorrow and said, I want in, he's not going to say no, but uh, they felt comfortable taking Tavian uh, fully well knowing that that may know that that may mean that he may be their only quarterback for the 25 class. So uh, it speaks volumes to the belief they have in Tavian. And I, I will say like seeing him throw at a camp this year compared to where he was last year, it's just night and day. It's like a completely different player. Um, yeah. I mean, Tavian's dad uh, said something kind of funny. It was something like, a 15 year old kid suddenly lost all his pimples and grew into a, you know, a six foot four guy, clear skin guy. And suddenly everyone's like, Oh wow. Look, look at the growth spurt overnight. Um, but no, it, it was, you know, just kind of a tongue in cheek uh, euthanism, but I, I believe it. He has grown so much over the last year and it's kind of impressive to see. And clearly Ohio state's impressed with what he's done. Yeah, he told me that he was only 180 pounds during the football season last year, and now he's 216. So that's a pretty big transformation in one year. I mean, obviously, these are all kids that are, are still growing. I mean, he's just a junior in high school, but 36 pounds in one year, that's a pretty big change, and it's good weight. I mean, I think that's the big thing that stands out is, you know, you, you, you watched him. You looked at him last year, and he was kind of a skinny kid, and you could see the, you could see the upside there, but – you could see that he was, you know, still had a long way to go. And I think now you see a guy, it's like, 
hey, this this guy is looking like a college quarterback now. Like he's he's got that build. He just looks a lot more physically mature. You can certainly see the arm strength. You know, like you said, I mean, I think I think for me, I think when I compare Tavian and Ryan, just you know, I spent pretty much the whole day Wednesday watching those two guys. And so I feel comfortable, you know, evaluating both of them. I feel like right now, like I feel like Ryan is the more polished quarterback right now. I, I think Ryan probably has the higher floor right now, but I do think that Tavian has the higher ceiling in terms of you know his arm strength. You know he he's got some athleticism too. I mean he's not he's not he's a passer. He's not he's not going to be a, a run first kind of guy. But you can see that ability that he has to you know move outside the pocket and and throw on the run. And you know those things are obviously very important. You know with what we've seen with guys like Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. And so you you can see all the physical tools there for Tavian St. Clair to develop into a great quarterback. And I think that's why Ohio State felt comfortable taking his commitment, especially knowing that he's still got two more years of high school. Like, you don't expect the guy to be a finished product right now. You know that he still has a long way to go in his development. You know, like you said, I mean, to Bell Fountain. I, I don't think either of us have been there. Have you been to Bell Fountain yet? I have not been to Bell Fountain. Yeah, it gives us a reason to go, right? Yeah, I mean, he's... He's certainly got a long way to go here over the next two years. And, you know, certainly Ohio State's going to be monitoring his development closely to make sure that he does develop the way that they think he can. But like you said, I mean, he he completed over 70% of his passes last year with only four interceptions all the while, showing a lot of confidence to throw the ball down the field. And, you know, one thing he expressed to me was that, you know, he feels even more confident now because – you know, he's got that Ohio, he's going to Ohio State. He had that offer. He got offers from Alabama and LSU and Michigan and Penn State. And so he knows now, like, I'm really good. Like, I, I have the potential to be great. And I think that's giving him even more confidence as a player to where he could really continue to take off this upcoming season. And so I think, you know, that's what Ohio State sees is, you know, yeah, there's going to have to be some work there in terms of, uh, refining his de- decision making. You know, I think one thing when I was watching the seven on seven is there were a few times where, you know, he just threw a really bad interception. Like he just, you know, didn't look off his read and he, and he got picked off and it probably would have been a pick six in a game. And so but those are things that he's going to have to work on um, at the next level. Obviously, you know, Ryan Day is uh, very big on ball security. And so it's going to be important for him to, uh, you know, make good decisions with the football, um, not put the ball in harm's way. But, He's a junior in high school. There's, you know, it's still years before he might be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. And so, you know, you're really just looking for a guy that does he have the tools that you can develop and does he have the right off-field traits too? Does he have the right character, the right personality? Can you see him, you know, being a guy who can be a leader of a team? And I think they see all of those things in, in Tavian St. Clair as well. And, you know, probably one of the things too that is probably important to clarify here of why Tavian St. Clair is a guy is because Tavian St. Clair really wants to be a Buckeye. I mean, Tavian St. Clair told me that, you know, he, he was thinking about committing the day he got the offer. Like once he got that Ohio State offer, he knew he wanted to be a Buckeye. You know, he took a few weeks to do his due diligence, you know, got some other big offers to consider, but he pretty much knew he wanted to be a Buckeye. Ryan Montgomery, for for all the ties he has to Ohio State, he he, he has said he wants to let the process play out. He I mean, he's he's had an offer from Ohio State for almost two years, and he has not accepted that offer yet. He's let the process play out, and so I think that is a factor here too. That is is a is a part of the equation too. Is the fact that Tavian St. Clair, from the moment they offered him, knew he wanted to be a Buckeye. You know, Ryan Montgomery. I think there's always, there's always been kind of this expectation that he would want to be a Buckeye, but not a certainty there because he has continued to do his homework on other schools. I mean, I remember being an article a few months ago where he had told someone that Georgia was at the top of his list at that time. You know, I think Penn State's going to be a real player there, especially when you look at the fact that uh, they've, they have Drew Auer right now. They have another Ohio quarterback coming in next year and Ethan Grunkmeyer, who was also at that camp last week. Those guys have the same private quarterback coach that Ryan Montgomery does. And so I think Penn State's going to be a factor there. I think Michigan's going to be a factor there. Uh, I also think Michigan's going to be a factor for Bryce Underwood. And I think the reality of Bryce Underwood is, yeah, I mean, like you said, if if Bryce Underwood calls Ohio State and says, I want in, they're going to take Bryce Underwood. But 
I also don't think at this point there was any real reason to believe that Ohio State was a front runner for Bryce Underwood. And so I think for Ohio State to see a guy like St. Clair and see his recruitment starting to blow up with schools like Alabama and LSU going after him, Ohio State knows that, okay, if we really want this guy, we got to take him now. And so I think that's what Ohio, I think that's ultimately was a big part of this is Ohio State looking at Tavian and saying, this guy really wants to be a Buckeye, and we think he's got the talent to be a Buckeye. And we see a lot of other schools who are seeing this talent now too. So we're going to take him now. We're not going to we're not going to risk the possibility of losing this guy who we think has a lot of talent that really wants to be a Buckeye to continue to string things along with a couple other quarterbacks who are not sure want to be Buckeyes. Yeah, Ryan going to Michigan or Penn State, that wouldn't create any uh, interesting storylines for the next uh, few seasons, would it? Not at all. Nonetheless, um, besides quarterback commitments, we also had some um, very relieved Ohio State fans over the weekend when Bryce West did what many of us thought he would do ever since December of 2021, when he basically said, Ohio State's number one, I got my offer, I'm a Buckeye fan, let's go. There's a little bit of twist and turns in there, but I never really felt he was going to go anywhere else, truly. But nevertheless, Bryce West is now officially in um, Ohio State lands, a top ranked player in Ohio per 24-7 sports composite rankings. And a few hours later, after the fact, Demarion Witten, tight end, uh, fellow Glenville product, joins him. I think he committed later Saturday night, uh, maybe yep. six hours afterward. But um yeah, and that makes three Glenville players in two cycles, which, you know, a lot of Ohio State fans love that uh, tar blooder connection to uh, the Buckeyes. So, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a pretty big day for Ohio State recruiting when both Bryce West and Demarion Witten joined. And, uh, Dan, what did you make of uh, both of them finally saying, all right, we're where we need to be. Uh, let's just end this now and wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, I don't think either comes as a surprise because I think there's always been an expectation, you know, from the time those guys were offered that they would end up being Buckeyes. But, you know, there had been some drama in both of their recruitments in recent weeks. You know, Bryce West, uh, he visited Michigan the weekend before. And, you know, there were talk that that visit went well. There was even a rumor out there that that visit went so well that he had scheduled another visit to Michigan. And so, uh, you know, for a brief moment in time there, it felt like, ooh, Michigan, like, is really making this thing interesting now with Bryce West. And then obviously, uh, you know, Friday night is when he informed the team. Saturday is when he made his public announcement uh, that he was going to be a Buckeye. And so, you know, he shut that down. And I think this is the, this is the outcome we always expected. But nevertheless, you know, when Michigan was was trying to steal that one, and anytime you you get a win over Michigan, especially when we're talking about a top 50 overall prospect like Bryce West, uh, that's a big win for Ohio State. And so certainly Ohio State is uh, very glad to have Bryce West in the class and, you know, feel like it's that one's locked in and, and be able to, you know, focus on other targets now. And then, you know, Damarian Witten was interesting as well because, you know, after he made his visit to Kentucky a couple weeks ago, you know, there were some recruiting insiders out there that started putting predictions in that he was going to go to Kentucky. Uh, and there was a you know, kind of a, you know, at least some people thought that Kentucky had started to emerge as the favorite in that recruitment. And obviously that did not turn out to be the case as uh, Damarian Witten, uh, you know, is actually at Ohio State two times in the past month. He returned the week after his Kentucky visit uh, to camp with Ohio State. And I think, you know, Keaton Bailey really left no doubt about how much of a priority Damarian Witten was at that camp. He was pretty much attached to the hip with Damarian uh, the entire day. And I think, you know, that certainly showed Damarian just how much Ohio State wanted him. And then obviously, you know, the official visit uh, closing deal there. And, you know, I think, you know, there was always a, a thought that, you know, if, if Bryce committed to Ohio State, that Damarian was probably going to want to join him at Ohio State and obviously they're both following Arvell Reese who committed to Ohio State a year ago and you know that's that's been the trend you know stars from Glenville High School you know going all the way back to Troy Smith and Ted Ginn Jr. Dante Whitner you know more recently Cardale Jones Marshawn Lattimore you know the stars from that school they, they've they've come to Ohio State and Ohio State's had a lot of success recruiting players from that school and so uh, certainly you know Ohio State excited to to land both of those guys. And uh, clearly uh, Vince Marrow, uh, Kentucky's tight ends coach is not salty at all about uh, losing Damarian Witten to Ohio state. 
Bro, what a dumb move. Like, I, I just, I, I'm going to, I mean, Vince Morrow has apparently been um, exceptional recruiting for Kentucky and has, has a great reputation in the industry. So I'll throw that caveat out there. But what, what coach thinks it's a good idea? Well, number one, he butchered the English language. So that was his first offense, you know, grown. You know, anyway, we wrote a story on it. You you probably all know by now that he misspelled grown, uh, grown ass man. But um. Nonetheless, I don't know what coach thinks it's a good idea to, number one, show every other recruit that you're going to go after in the future that not we're going to be really salty if you go somewhere else and we're going to slander you uh, subtweet style on Twitter. And also thinks their best recruiting strategy because Demarion's father responded to that and said, well, their whole recruiting pitch was you aren't going to play at Ohio State, so you might as well come play at Kentucky. And I, I, I sort of understand that pitch a little bit, but you can't just display it as, well, you're not going to come play there, so you might as well come play here. It's better to guise it as, well, at Ohio State, you may just be another guy, but here you may be the guy. I don't know. But nonetheless, it was certainly not a good look for uh, Mr. Morrow. I don't know. Maybe he had a few uh, – too many Bud Lights. I, I I don't know. Who knows? But um, DeBarian in particular is pretty interesting because I think he could have a pretty interesting future at Ohio State because right now um, I would say his biggest weak link in his game is uh, blocking. Um, I think he needs to get a lot bigger if he wants to play tight end. But his capabilities as a receiver are so good that I think he could go the opposite of G Scott to where G Scott came into Ohio state as a wide receiver and ended up having to convert to a tight end. Whereas the Marion, if you know, I, I mean, his first year is going to be critical of coach Mick and seeing what he does in the weight room and how much weight he puts on and you know, how exactly bigger his frame gets, but maybe, I mean, he's good enough as a receiver to where he could play receiver at Ohio state and could give them a legit red zone target um, at six foot five and with his frame. I mean, we watched him at camp and he was making one handed catches over guys. So there's clearly no issue over his playmaking ability. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe uh, line up wide. And obviously, I know Ohio State's wide receiver uh, room is certainly not uh, the thinnest in the country and it's probably the deepest. But I, I think the first year for Demarion will be very interesting to watch. But I wouldn't be surprised if he finds a way on the field because that guy's a very talented pass catcher. And as for Bryce, I think he has one of the highest ceilings in all of 2024 for quarterbacks. I mean, the guy's just a ball hawk. And um, regardless of whether it's zone, man, the guy's a lockdown corner. And Ohio State should feel very thankful that they landed a player of his caliber. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation with Witten because, I mean, one of the reasons why G Scott moved to tight end was because Ohio state was so loaded at wide receiver that he didn't have a good path to the field there. And so, you know, that, I think that would be the question bear with Damari and it's like, okay, if he, if, you know, he ends up being more of a receiver then like, is there going to be a spot on the field for him with all the talent they're stockpiling at the position? So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to, to see how that ultimately plays out and, you know, how, I mean, it, you know, even this year, like, you know, Brian Hartline taking over the offense, like, does the tight end position change at all in Ohio State's offense? You know, do you do we see more, you know, hybrids kind of stuff at that position, whether it be with a G Scott or a Jelani Furman who just came in? You know, this year might give us a better idea of how they could potentially use Damarian in the future. But, you know, like you said, I mean, you can certainly see the, the talent there. I mean, you could see the frame where, you know, he has the frame to get bigger. And so it's possible, you know, again, we're talking about a kid who's a senior in high school, you know, he could get significantly bigger he could develop as a blocker uh and you know this might not be a question in a couple of years um you know we, we we know tight end has typically been a developmental position at ohio state and so he's probably somebody who's going to need some time to grow into being a full-time tight end if that's ultimately his path but you can certainly see the talent there you can certainly see uh you know the, the reason why uh ohio state uh wants him in in the class and you know i would have to say that i i i don't believe vince marrow when he uh tried to frame it as though the, the tight end that they got uh was who they really wanted more than demarian witten i don't doubt that they wanted uh willie rodriguez i believe his name is but i'm very confident they also wanted demarian witten who would have been uh, the second highest ranked player in their class right now. And, you know, kind of a kind of a couple shots there 
at, from for Kentucky on the Ohio State side because you know I talked to Sam Williams Dixon on Wednesday after the Ohio State seven on seven tournament and uh, you know there there had been some scuttlebutt about could he end up at Kentucky because he made a visit to Kentucky uh, earlier in the month and he basically said no I just I just made that visit for fun because it was free and so uh, <laughs> you know you know Kentucky uh, I think Kentucky feeling like maybe it had a couple opportunities there of Sam Williams Dixon. And I would guess that the pitch to Sam Williams Dixon was probably pretty similar to what it was with Damarian of, of trying to pitch. Hey, you're in a class of free running backs there. If you want to play, you, you should come here. And so I would imagine, you know, that was uh, part of a the pitch there for Kentucky as well, but it seems like that pitch uh, was unsuccessful. And so I give Vince Marrow and Kentucky credit. They, 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 they really have over the years done a very good job of recruiting the state of Ohio, but it's not typically players who Ohio state is also recruiting. It's typically the guys who don't get recruited by Ohio, Ohio state. And, and Kentucky has done a very good job of, of mining that talent, the, the guys in Ohio who don't have Ohio state offers and bringing a lot of those guys down to Kentucky and developing them into good players and, and, you know, being, you know, fairly competitive in the sec. And so I, I give, uh, Kentucky and I give Vince Marrow credit specifically for that, but uh, you know it, it definitely uh, you know worthy of some mockery that tweet and not the first time Vince Marrow has done that. I know uh, he he said something similar after losing a player to Michigan earlier this year, and uh, you know a lot of Michigan fans were uh, mocking him for that. And so you know he's always been one to. Uh, be more vocal on Twitter than, than most coaches are, but might want to check his spelling next time. Yeah, please. <laughs> well, actually don't because then we'll have really good content to run. But <laughs> so if he wants to, you know, subtweet more uh, Buckeye commits that he loses out to, I mean, I encourage Vince to go ahead and have as many Bud Lights as he wants and start, start tweeting. I don't know. And it's, but, too, it's too bad. It's too bad that Ohio high school players can't, make money on nil yet because uh, if if so i would strongly encourage damari to sell some uh grown man shirts that being g-r-o-a-n man shirts maybe we should talk to jason about that maybe we should make an addition to dry goods but <laughs> look at that innovative thinking on real pod wednesdays absolutely but, oh well dan should we play some post uh, ohio state official visits in or out what do you think I think we should because we had you on the last time we had you on in early May, we played this game. And I think uh, a lot has changed in that, you know, it's only been about a month and a half, but I, I think some of our answers for some of these key targets are going to be different than they were in early May. So I, I think we're going to go through uh, really, you know, a, a list here of really all the guys who uh, Ohio State, you know, hosted for visits this month that remain uncommitted and that Ohio state still seems to be heavily pursuing and, and have a, a real chance at landing. And let's start with, I think the guy who's at the forefront of every Ohio state fan and Michigan's fans mind right now. And that's Aaron Scott jr. Because I, I mean, I could tell, I could sit here right now and tell you truthfully, I do not have a good read on which way this one is going to go. I, I think Ohio state and Michigan are both very much in it. I'm not sure if anybody, including Aaron himself, knows where he's going right now. But when we had you on last time, Garrick, you you had Aaron Scott in, and I quote, by the hair of your chinny chin chin. Has that changed now? Nope. Um, neither the uh, confidence level in that prediction nor the prediction itself. I still have him in by the hair of my chinny chin chin. So, um, you know, I Bryce said that he – is going to work on him as best as he can when I caught up with Bryce uh, yesterday, that being Monday. Um, and it'll be a pretty interesting uh, next couple of weeks, I think, in that recruitment. But um, I, I did find it interesting that on um, Monday evening, both uh, Michigan and Ohio State had the heavy hitters uh, go to Twitter to try to recruit him with you know, Ohio State using guys like Braxton Miller and Troy Smith. And Michigan using guys like Charles Woodson to try to convince Aaron Scott to come to their school. So, I mean, it's all I'm going to say is the winner is going to have a lot of fun on social media and the loser is probably going to do a lot of venting on message boards. So that'll be uh, pretty easy to 
you know, I, I don't know. It'll just be an interesting recruitment to see play out and uh, kind of similar to you. Um, it's if it was a political race, it's too close to call right now. But I'm going in by just a small margin. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great recruiting battle between rivals because this really does feel like a true battle you know we've saw we've talked a lot about ohio state versus michigan recruiting this year but like how many of those have really been like true neck and neck battles i mean you know jordan marshall going to michigan was certainly you know one that was you know he said there, there was a battle there for bryce west but i think this is really the truest battle in the sense of you know it really does feel like a toss-up that it can go either way and so given that i'll go the other way if you i said out last time and i i'm i'm gonna stick with that because i just i haven't heard anything that makes me feel overly confident that he is going to be a buckeye i do think ohio state came out of this past official visit weekend with some optimism that it can land aaron scott and i think certainly the fact that bryce west is now in the class is going to help their chances because aaron has said that he wants to play with bryce but I, I just, you know, it, it just, this one just feels like it's always felt like Michigan has had a very real chance in this one. And I still feel that way. And so as, as close as, as it is, I'm, I'm going to say out on Aaron Scott Jr. Another uh, very intriguing prospect uh, that is in the defensive secondary that Ohio State fans will be very interested to hear is K.J. Bolden. And all the reports from his official visit have been overwhelmingly positive, um, mostly from a lot of places he's been considered, you know, Georgia is thought to be a front runner by most national recruiting industry. But um, I wouldn't discount the Buckeyes chances here. Um, and this will probably be the dumbest prediction I make in all of this. But I'm going to say that K.J. Bolden is in the Buckeyes class. Um don't feel great about it, but um, I think that they moved the needle enough for him. But if he goes to Georgia, I would not be shocked. I think he's in too. I, I think Ohio State came out of his commitment, uh, his official visit a couple of weeks ago, feeling very confident about its chances of landing KJ Bolden. You know, he went on Twitter and said it was a 10 out of 10 visit. And so, you know, it really felt like, you know, Ohio State, you know, had all the momentum coming out of that official visit. Obviously, you know, you come down from a post visit high you know we'll see if you know that that good feeling that ohio state had with kj bolden ultimately sticks but you know this is a guy he's got you know he's got a strong family connection there to ohio state with ohio state safeties coach perry eliano being his cousin and i i think ohio state has done what it's needed to do to show kj bolden what he needs to see to uh want to be a buckeye and so I, I do think Ohio State sits in the pole position in this one right now, KJ Bolden. It's not over yet, but right now I, I do uh, believe that uh, it, my, my prediction is KJ Bolden is going to be a Buckeye. And I would say the same for his Buford High School teammate, Edric Houston, who is also a five-star recruit on the defensive line. It seemed like Ohio State has had momentum in this one for a little while, although you know, we talked about it last week. There, you know, was some thought early last week that he might cancel his official visit to Alabama and just go ahead with Ohio State. Uh, he did end up making that official visit to Alabama, and he told some reporters after that visit that he really liked what he saw at Alabama, and they moved up his list. And so, uh, I'm still going to say he's in, but it seems like okay, maybe uh, Alabama gave him something to think about. So, what what do you think, Garrick? Has anything changed there? Um, I think that Alabama moved the needle for him a little bit, but not enough to make me worry that he's not going to commit to Ohio State. So I would say that um, I still feel pretty confident that Edric Houston will be in the Ohio State class. Um, one quick note on Bolden. I, I did think it was pretty interesting that after Bryce's commitment, he went out of his way to quote tweet that and then, you know, say, oh, that's the move, huh? Um, so throwing a little subtle hints here and there that he's very much considering uh the Buckeyes and Bryce did tell me for it's worth. He's going to try and talk to KJ about joining Ohio state uh, quite a bit here in the next couple of weeks. But um, in terms of Houston, um, I don't think Ohio state has a problem 
play the play the drum symbols that uh, after a corny joke. But yeah, I think I think he's in. Um, let's see, we got Dylan Stewart. Speaking of five star defensive ends, and nobody really knows who exactly the favorite is when you talk about a national recruiting landscape. You know, a lot of people are have a pretty consensus that KJ Bolden is the favorite towards Georgia nationally and Houston is the favorite towards Ohio state nationally, but a lot of guys are getting mixed signals with Stewart personally. And I mean, if, if this comes to fruition, Ohio state is going to have a monster defensive class, but I think Ohio state did enough to get him, And I think that he will be in the class, but um, again, he's another guy that's tricky to get a read on. Doesn't talk a whole lot. Um, but I can tell you, I know for sure he was very impressed by Ohio state and, uh, I'm going to put him in the in category. I am too. I am too. We'll stick with the optimism here for Ohio state. I think that again, another guy, he was on that same visit with KJ Bolden and Edric Houston. And I think Ohio state did a lot to impress him that weekend as well. I think, you know, there's still competition there. I know, you know, he went to South Carolina this past weekend. I think they're, a player in his recruitment. Um, he just released a top five, uh, a, you know, a few weeks ago. And so there's still other schools that he's considering, but I do think, again, I think Ohio state came out of a official visit as uh, the leader in his recruitment. And I think Ohio state has a good chance to close the deal there. Now, you know, again, I think, you know, Ohio state fans uh, aren't going to celebrate any landing, any five-star defensive ends until it actually happens after what happened last year with Keon Keeley and Damon Wilson and Mateo Uyunglele. But uh, it would be a great bounce back for Ohio State if, if Ohio State can ultimately land. I mean, even just one of Dylan Stewart or Edric Houston would be a big win. But if Ohio State lands both of them, uh, that would be a huge win for Ohio State. A guy who both of us had in last time was Peyton Woodyard, uh, the safety who is committed to Georgia. And I think at that time, it felt like things were trending more toward Peyton Woodyard decommitting from Georgia and ultimately flipping somewhere else. But it doesn't seem like that momentum has gained at all since then. It kind of seems like coming out official visits, okay, he's still committed to Georgia uh, you know, I think USC and Alabama had their chance to impress him as well. And, you know, I I think, you know, I don't think Ohio State's out on that one, but I also am inclined to believe that if the flip was going to happen, it probably either would have happened by now or there'd at least seem to be more momentum toward it actually happening. So I'm going to flip my I'm going to flip the other way on that one. And I'm going to say that I, I have Peyton Woodyard out now. Yeah, I don't feel nearly as confident as I did last time when I was on. Um, I would join you in the out category, too. I think there's just too much momentum with other schools, whether it be USC, Alabama, or, uh, you know, Georgia. And I I think that ship has sailed, but I guess we'll see. Um, speaking of another talented defensive back, five-star Kobe Black was also on the visit with Bolden and Houston and Stewart. And... If you would have asked me probably two months ago, I would have been like, well, I think he'll be open to hearing Ohio State's pitch, but uh, I think he's pretty firmly rooted uh, in Texas. But now I think that Ohio State has closed the gap, and I think there's some cautious optimism from Ohio State that they have a really good chance in this recruitment. That being said, I still can't see him not choosing Texas. I think Ohio State has a great chance to win this recruitment, and man, if they did and the other ones came true – um, we'd have a lot of writing to do, but I think for now, very slightly, I'm going to say out for Kobe Black and say that he's going to Texas, but um, I'm not ruling out the Buckeyes here by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I think that, you know, again, this is another guy who was on that same official visit weekend with Bolden and Houston and Stewart and Woodyard, and it does sound like, you know, Ohio State gained ground there, uh, impressed him during that weekend, but you know, the, the feeling all along has been that he's likely to stay closer to home. And so uh, I would I would lean toward out with Kobe Black as well. Um, certainly, uh, Ohio State would love to land him, especially if it doesn't land Aaron Scott. But, uh, you know, I, I, I right now I would lean toward uh, Kobe Black being out, although I, I don't think Ohio State's out of that recruitment by any means. Uh Another DB who Ohio State has seemingly led for for a long time, Miles Lockhart, he's going to announce his decision 
on July 6th. And it certainly seems like for months now that he's been trending toward uh, being in for Ohio State. Does it still feel like things are trending that way to you, Garrick? I, I think so. Um, of all the people on this list, I would be very surprised if Lockhart went elsewhere the most out of anyone else on this list. Um, I think the only reason he hasn't made a commitment sooner is because he really wants to do it on his grandmother's birthday, which is July 6th, um, which he told me uh, a couple days ago. So um, we'll find out then where he's headed. But um, of all the recruits on this list, I'd say I feel the most confident of Miles ending up at Ohio State. Another guy who visited Ohio State this past weekend, Kingston Viliamu Asa. This one uh, seems to be a pretty close three-team race right now between Ohio State, Notre Dame, and USC. But he had a lot of good things to say about Ohio State when you talked to him on Monday after his visit. Do you think Ohio State did enough to land him? Yes, but it's kind of weird because Notre Dame and USC also feels very good in that recruitment, so it's kind of tough to get a read on. But I am sensing some cautious optimism both from Ohio State and from uh, the commits that uh, were on the visit with him, um, you know, Peyton Pierce being one, that they did move the needle with Kingston. And I am probably going to put him in. I think that, uh, you know, Talking to JTT um, really helped them a lot. He and his parents talked to uh, JT's dad about, you know, being from the West Coast and coming a long way from home and what their experience has been like. And I think that was a really big deal for them. I really do. And I think that this visit um, really set Ohio State up to make a nice addition um, to their linebacking corps. And I don't know, but USC and Notre Dame, are, it's, it's a very close race. But I think they did enough to land Kingston, so I'll go in. I'll go in as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see him land at any of those free schools, but it does feel like, you know, Ohio State um, made a move there this weekend and and did what it needed to do to give itself a really good shot at landing Kingston. So I'll go in there as well, though. You know, I think we're both kind of in the same boat of, uh, you know, middling confidence there because Notre Dame and USC both still look like real threats. Another official visitor from this past weekend, Justin Scott. Uh, This is a guy whose recruitment has been kind of hard to get a read on, um, but uh, one of the top defensive linemen in the entire class, uh, Ohio State, you know, getting his last June official visit. There's been, you know, different kind of rumors about who's leading in this recruitment. I mean, Notre Dame's looked like the leaders at times. Miami's looked like the leader at times. Michigan is heavily in this one as well. And then, you know, he, you know, he, he, he was at Ohio state this past weekend. So it still feels like any of those four teams that could potentially have a shot. I haven't gotten any indication that Ohio state leads for Justin Scott in a way that would make me confident in saying anything other than I think he's most likely out on this class. But what do you think, Garrick? What do you think Ohio state's chances are of him? I feel like, they'll be better if the defense performs well this year. Cause I don't think this is a guy that's in any rush to make a decision right now. Um, I think if Ohio state's defense takes that next step under Jim Knowles, that'll go a long way with him because I get the sense that that family um, as much as they love Miami, like doesn't want Justin to play too far from home, which you know would obviously cater to the Michigan Notre Dame's and Ohio state's of the world. But I would say just right now, if you're making me either pick Ohio State or the field, I would probably take the field based off what we know. But um, sort of similar to Kobe Black, I was not very optimistic with Justin Scott a couple months ago. And now I'm more so optimistic that Ohio State can win that recruitment. But I'd still lean toward out right now. But um, we're a long ways away from that one being over, I think. Another defensive tackle who Ohio State hosted this month, Jaden Jackson from IMG Academy. He seemed like the defensive tackle uh, who Ohio State seems to be in the best position with. Do you think Ohio State will ultimately land him? Well, this was another tricky one. Out just for gut feeling and nothing more. But, um, you know, I also wonder where the defensive tackle is going to come from. And Jaden seems like he'd be a sure bet as any but for whatever reason i'm just feeling out with Jaden right now where do you think that he could end up going um i feel like you know it's possible he goes to oklahoma with his uh boy david stone um if that's what david stone ends up doing but i think that that's probably a, a good possibility texas is another 
possibility there. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just feeling out, but, um, you know, he's, he's a tough guy to get a read on. So for all I know, maybe he'll commit to Ohio state in three weeks and I'll look uh, dumb, but that's what this segment's for. So I'll, I'll go out, but, uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him join Ohio state if uh, things pick up in the next few weeks. Yeah, I'll take the more optimistic view there. I'll, I'll say in, it does seem like Oklahoma is a real threat there, but I know, you know, Ohio State has had a good rapport of him for some time. And so I'm going to say Jaden Jackson is in because like you said, they don't have, you know, any other defensive tackles who are yeah, either committed or seem, you know, imminent to commit. And so you would think, you know, uh, you know, especially as things remain uncertain of Justin Scott, that Jaden's a guy who would be a priority for Ohio State to land. Uh, two more defensive ends to, to talk about who visited Ohio State this month. Uh, Marquise Lightfoot from Chicago and Nigel Smith from Texas. Well, what do you think about those two, Garrick? Uh, in, out for both of them. Uh, Marquise, I believe, is in. Um, you know, there's some eyes on the Miami official visit, but I still think he's a Buckeye lane afterward. And Nigel, I'd probably – move out at this point because if my predictions on the else are correct, they're going to get pretty full in the end with uh, Houston Stewart and uh, Lightfoot. So I would guess that that would move Smith out. But if uh, for whatever reason, Ohio state doesn't land uh, um, either of those two five stars, I think that they have a great shot at reconnecting with Nigel, who's not expected to make a decision um, until September and Houston will have made his by August and Stewart will probably make his before the season starts. So we'll probably have a pretty good picture of uh, where things are with those uh, three and then plus Nigel uh, before the high school season starts up. Yeah, I would agree with you on both of those. I mean, it seems like Ohio state's always had a good shot with Nigel, but you know, again, if, if, you know, Dylan and Edric are now their top priorities at defensive end, but you know, I think Nigel has enough other options that, you know, he could potentially look to, go elsewhere we've talked about a lot of defensive guys let's talk about a few offensive guys and we got to start with brandon baker the number one ranked offensive tackle in the class i think uh, probably of anybody on the offensive side of the ball he would be the number one target on the board right now uh, but they've got a lot of competition from him you know georgia usc texas all in the race for him as well what do you think eric does ohio state ultimately land brandon baker um, I like their chances with him more than I like their chances with any other offensive target, but or tackle target, I should say, not offensive target. But um, I'd still lean out. I think that uh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't go to Oregon. But um, I do know that he really enjoyed his Ohio State official visit, and um, I don't think that they're out of it by any stretch of the measure. But I'm, I don't know. I just can't see him not picking Oregon right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to lean out as well just because there's a lot of competition on this one and it doesn't, you know, it seems like Ohio State, uh, you know, impressed him on his official visit, but I don't know that Ohio State's ever been the leader there. And so I would have to lean toward out right now, though I, I don't think they're out of that recruitment. Uh, I will assume based on your answer uh, to that question that you are also out on Gerby Lambert. Yeah, I'm, I'm out there. Um, he's very academic focused from what I understand. And, you know, Boston college is really big in his recruitment for that reason. Um, Notre Dame, the same. I think he'll go to one of those two schools. I mean, he canceled the Penn state visit. And if I remember correctly, he added a Harvard visit. So that, that just uh, tells you where his priorities lie. Um, he's a really talented football player, but he's probably uh, going to be a better student. Not, not saying, you know, I'm not going to go Marcus Freeman and say that Ohio State academics aren't uh, great because my sister graduated with a doctorate in chemistry. So I know damn well that they are. But when we're talking purely academics into a standpoint, I think that he's looking at Notre Dame and Boston College more seriously than Ohio State. Yeah, it does seem like the Marcus Freeman recruiting pitch could be working there because I know I've seen some projections this week that he could ultimately end up at Notre Dame. And so that does seem like a likely landing spot for him uh one other offensive lineman who visited this month daniel cruz uh this one looks like it could be another ohio state versus texas battle i know you talked to cruz earlier this month and he had good things to say about ohio state do you think ohio state did enough to land him i think he was really impressed by ohio state but i just think it's going to be so hard to pull him away from his home state of texas and i think that he's going to go to texas but 
Um, yeah, I just can't see him not picking Texas. I think that's a safe bet. But Ohio State did do a really good job in that recruitment for sure. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd lean toward agreeing with you there. I, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he picked Ohio State, but it does seem like Texas is still the leader uh, in, in that one for now. So still – you know, some work to do on the offensive line there for Justin Fry, who has, you know, four offensive linemen in the class, but would certainly still like to land, you know, another premier offensive lineman or two, um, you know, a couple guys that he's still in the mix for, but, you know, still might not be the favorite for any of those guys that they hosted on official visits this month. Uh, we'll wrap it up here by looking at a few wide receivers. Uh, we'll start with Jeremiah McClellan. Uh, This one seems to be an Ohio State versus Oregon battle, uh, but I think Ohio State's felt pretty good about its chances with Jeremiah McClellan for some time. So I will say that I think McClellan will be in the class. What about you? Yeah, I think Jeremiah is going to be in as well. It's I'm almost a little surprised that he hasn't made a decision earlier. I think he's just, you know, doing his due diligence and making sure he makes the right decision for himself. And you know, like like we've talked earlier in the show, uh, that wide receiver room is uh, definitely pretty crowded and very talented, and there's going to be two more five stars in that class coming into it. So um, definitely a big decision there, but I think that, uh, you know, be, getting coached by Brian Hartline will be something that uh, Jeremiah can't pass up. So I'm going to say that Jeremiah is in. Now, an interesting twist with Elijah Moore over the weekend because he's another guy who had looked like an Ohio State. It looked like Ohio State was a lead for him until he went to Florida State over this past weekend. And then he actually told uh, reporters after that visit that Florida State had moved into the number one spot for him. I believe he's planning to make a decision on July 4th. Again, post-visit high there. He's talking to Florida State reporters. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to Florida State, but it does seem like Ohio State's got some real competition on that one now. What do you think? Does Ohio State get Elijah Moore or does he go to Tallahassee? Uh, I think he goes to Tallahassee. Um, I I know the main recruiting philosophy is uh, judge kids by their actions and not what they say. But when I hear Elijah Moore say personally, Florida state is my number one school. And then he sets a commitment date for July 4th. I mean, read in between the lines. So um, I'm going to guess that he goes to Florida state, but I guess we'll find out in uh, close to a week. Yeah, that's where I would lean as well. And it's interesting because I mean, you're talking about a guy who, if, if he would come to Ohio state and if you assume Jeremiah McClellan joins the class, he'd be the fourth highest rated receiver in that class. And so you'd imagine that's part of a recruiting pitch from Florida State is, hey, you come here, you're going to have a chance to you know play a lot sooner than you would at Ohio State. And so that could potentially be some of a sway there. And then, you know, the, the other question there is, OK, you know, you, you, you were looking at it and it's kind of like, OK, if Ohio State gets McClellan and more, they're done at receiver in the 24 class. But there's there's still kind of that lurking possibility out there that they could still potentially get Josiah a trader uh jeremiah smith's teammate uh, also a five star uh down in florida he didn't make an official visit this month and so i'd have to lean toward out there on on Josiah's a trader at least until he you know makes another visit to ohio state but i also don't think ohio state's completely out of that recruitment yet what do you think garrick about that one um i'm inclined to agree with you i think that until he visits ohio state i just don't really see it happening um but i also see him similar to justin scott being a guy that probably signs on national signing day in december or maybe even goes beyond it we'll see but um yeah i would probably lean toward out um, mostly because i just don't see trader leaving florida i think what his school will be one of those other four but if he did leave the state he would go to ohio state so um i'm leaning toward out at the moment of course it wasn't just official visits this past month for ohio state it was also a busy month of camps we were both at all uh six of the camps for high school football players five uh skill camps for all positions and then the seven on seven camp last wednesday that wrapped up camp season for Ohio State. We're going to have an article on the website this week kind of going through all of of the standouts from camp season. So, we'll save some of it for that, but uh you know, just to highlight who are, you know, a few guys 
that are going to be on that list, Garrick, that you were really impressed by that really caught your eye the most during camp season? I'll give you three that uh, come to the top of my mind. Uh, Mylon Graham, Ohio State's five-star wide receiver commit. That guy just, I don't know, he's the real deal. Um, I mean, if Jeremiah Smith wasn't in the class, I he would be probably be getting a lot more attention than he is. But, um, yeah, he's impressive. And I'll save the rest of my uh, breakdown for our article. But uh, he, he threw some pretty lofty comparisons uh, to himself out there that he's striving for. And I, I don't think he's exactly uh, wrong in them uh, in terms of former Buckeye wide receivers that are now in the NFL. Anywho, that's what we call a tease in the industry. Two more that I'll throw are five-star quarterback, Devin Sanchez, 2025 kid. Um, I had a – it's kind of amusing. I had a parent stand next to me um, and just watch Devin Sanchez take a rep. And Devin Sanchez just shut this kid down like it was nothing. And he just turns and goes, dang, that guy's great. And then he looks at me. He's like, who is that guy? And I'm like, oh, he's the number one cornerback in America in 2025. He's like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, it does, doesn't it? But I would say I am going to have a hard time picking between Mylon and Devin for who is more impressive for me. And um, third one I'll give out is five-star running back Jordan Davison, who looked every bit the part of the number one ranked running back in the 2025 class. And I honestly had a pretty interesting uh, one-on-one battle with Tarvis Alford, one of the top linebacker targets for Ohio State in 2025 class. So he'll be on my list as well. But I was really impressed by those three guys specifically. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, Mylon would be the top guy on my list too because he you, mean, you can definitely see why this guy's a five-star receiver and why he was such a top target for Brian Hartline. I mean, his – his route running ability for a high school player is really impressive. Just, you know, his uh, ability to, you know, his, his understanding of, you know, you know, footwork and change of direction is very advanced for a guy who's in high school. And then you think, okay, how much better is he going to get when he's working with Brian Hartline every day? And, you know, he certainly got that explosiveness. He's got good size. And so, uh, you know, I think, you know, of, to me, of all the players I saw at camp, he was the one who really stood out to me the most. Uh, you know, I think, you know, sticking at that receiver position, you know, Chris Henry Jr. is another guy that every time I watch him, I'm impressed. I mean, you could just see the 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 length, the explosiveness that he has, you know, I mean, he's a guy who's still just going into his sophomore year of high school. So he's got a long way to go, but you can just see the raw tools there that, um, you know, he, he's got the chance to be an elite prospect and is probably going to be one of the top overall prospects in the 2026 class. And so, you know, I was certainly uh impressed by him uh you know i would i would definitely put you know demarion witten up there just seeing the the plays that he made uh in in receiving drills as a tight end um you know he's a guy you can definitely see at that camp like hey this that's that's why this guy is gonna be uh you know playing for a state because he's got that kind of ability and then you know another guy that i think really caught my eye was was will griffin the quarterback uh, from Florida in the 2026 class, he earned an offer when he was at camp and uh, just looking at him. I mean, he just does not look like a high school sophomore. I mean, he is built uh, for, he, he looks like he could go like play. No, I mean, he looks like he could go play college ball right now and he's only a sophomore in high school. And, you know, he was, he was there the same day that Tavian was there. Uh, Ryan Montgomery was there for part of that camp as well. Uh, there was another quarterback who actually just committed to TCU, Ty Hawkins in the 25 class, who I also thought was really impressive at that camp. Uh, you know, he didn't get a high offer from Ohio State because obviously they were zeroed in on St. Clair. But, uh, you know, that was an impressive day of quarterback play at that camp. And, and Griffin was as impressive as anybody, I think, especially in the individual drills. You know, I think, you know, when they were doing some of the one-on-ones, you could see he wasn't quite as consistent as St. Clair was. And you'd expect that because he's a year behind him in high school. He's still got three more years of high school to go. But just the raw tools there uh, looked like a guy who's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the 2026 class and certainly somebody to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, for Ohio State as its quarterback recruiting now is going to start looking ahead to 26 now that St. Clair is in the 25 class. Well, it's not just football here. We do have a little bit of hoops. Bryce Sensabaugh goes number 28th overall in the NBA draft to the Utah Jazz. 
And normally this would be where Griffin just dazzles us with his basketball knowledge, but we'll just have to suffice just for this week. So, Dan, I will ask you first, your thoughts on the landing spot for Ohio State's uh, newest NBA draft, uh, E, what do you expect from him at the next level? Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not the NBA draft expert. Everybody knows that I I love the NFL draft, and I follow that very closely. When it comes to the NBA, I'm definitely not as plugged in on player fits and all of that, but you know, the fact that he went late first round, that was about what I was expecting, you know, going into the draft, you know, it did seem like there was some more talk about him sliding to the late first or maybe even the second. And so uh, the 28th pick, uh, that seems about right based on, you know, what people were saying going into the draft. It, it is interesting because, uh, you know, you know, Chase and, and Griffin, I know they were working on preparing graphics for the pick. And I think out of the picks in that like cluster in the late first round, the Jazz were the one team they didn't have prepared beforehand. And so uh, he was he was not being projected to the Jazz in any mock drafts, really. And so I think there was a little bit of surprise there in that sense with the Jazz being the specific team. But, you know, I know, you know, they just traded a a small forward and Rudy Gay away earlier this week. And so, you know, that that could open up some minutes right off the bat there. Uh, for Bryce and their uh, rotation on the wing. I mean, I think obviously the big question for Bryce is going to be defensively, is he where he needs to be to play in the NBA right away? I think, you know, you certainly would expect that he's a guy who's going to be able to contribute as a scorer early on in his NBA career of how quickly he emerged as a premier scorer at Ohio State. I think he's going to be a guy who can come off the bench and uh, can give them some scoring. I think the question is going to be, is he good enough defensively to where you can put him out there right away without being a liability? Or is he a guy that's going to need some seasoning, maybe even a little bit of time in the G League uh, before you know he's ready to play real minutes at that NBA level? And so that's going to be interesting to see. I know the summer league starts next week. And so we'll be interesting to see how he performs there as he starts getting his feet wet at the professional level. I think that Bryce's goal for this year should just be cracking the rotation at some point. Um, you know, Malachi Branham eventually did crack the Spurs rotation and played pretty well down the stretch um, as far as I'm concerned. But um, I think you're absolutely spot on that Bryce is a very advanced offensive prospect for being this young, and yet he has a ton of catching up to do on the defensive end. There's a lot of prospects where – you know, offense is their skill set, and then they're just at least serviceable or a little worse than that on the defensive end. Bryce is a little worse than serviceable on the defense. At, at times, to put it frankly, he was quite frankly a, li- a liability for uh, Chris Holtman's team last year. And um, that's not to say he can't get better. He certainly got the frame for it. Um, but he's so good as a scorer, you would imagine they'd want to get him as many minutes as possible. And, you know, insert your joke about NBA teams and defense here. But um, yeah, I I think that uh, Bryce's offensive potential will get him on the floor at some point, but I think that it wouldn't be totally surprising to see him spend a season in the G League just to kind of hone his defensive skills and become uh, serviceable or a little bit better on that end of the floor before he starts playing major minutes for the Jazz. We published our four Kings linebackers on Saturday. Uh, 11 Warriors readers ultimately decided on Chris Spielman, A.J. Hawk, James Laurinaitis, and Andy Katzenmoyer as the top four linebackers in Ohio State history. Griffin and I talked a little bit about this last week. I mean, I was I was very surprised that Tom Cousineau did not make the top four, and I think that was what a lot of the reaction to the story was from people of how did Tom Cousineau not make the top four when you consider that guy was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, had well over 500 tackles in his Ohio State career. Uh, I felt that Tom Cousineau should have been in the top four. I think Randy Gratishar certainly had a strong case as well, which a lot of people made that point. You know, as I mentioned last week, my ultimate picks were Chris Spielman, James Laurinaitis, Tom Cousineau, and Ryan Shazier. So this was always going to be a tough one, narrowing it down to just four linebackers. Ohio State has certainly had a lot of great linebackers. But Garrick, you know, curious of your thoughts on the final picks. Who who did you vote for and what do you think of the final picks? 
I also was kind of blown away that Tom Cousinel wasn't in the final four. I was like, oh, the guy went number one overall. What do you mean? He's not in the top four. But in their defense, I mean, Ohio State has so many great linebackers over its history. So to correct this wrong, I vote we kick out AJ Hawk only because he played for their, uh, only because he played for America's worst team, the Green Bay Packers. I'm just kidding. AJ Hawk deserves to be in the top four. But um yeah, Tom Cousinel definitely deserves to be in there. I don't know who I'd kick out. Um I'd keep Laurinaitis in there. I'd keep Spielman in there. I'd keep probably Hawk in there. So I guess I'm gonna kick Andy out. Sorry Andy. But um that would probably be my top four. Coming up on the site this weekend will be four Kings on the interior offensive line and looking at the voting right now, it it does look like those four are going to ultimately in one order or the other end up being Nick Mangold, Jim Parker, LaCharles Bentley, and Jim Lachey, those four uh, with a big lead in the balloting right now, Uh, not too late to vote. If you, if you want to go vote, uh, feel free to go do so on, on the website, but those four, uh, you know, we talked about political races. Uh, if I was, uh, you know, CNN or, or whatnot, uh, I, I would feel comfortable making the call on those four being the top four right now, just based on what the voting totals look like. And I can't say that I have too much disagreement with those picks. Uh, the first free there, Nick Mangold. I mean, Jim, Jim Parker would for sure be my number one pick. You're talking about a guy who's both a college football Hall of Famer, pro football Hall of Famer. You could make a very real case for Jim Parker being, if you can combine both college and NFL, being Ohio State's most successful football player ever. He's certainly right up there with the likes of guys like Orlando Pace. And so uh, Jim Parker and me was a no-brainer. Uh, Nick Mangold, LaCharles Bentley, I think, you know, in, in the mo- modern era have been Ohio State's two most dominant centers. And so uh, definitely expected them to be on the list. I, I think, you know, if there was one that I would have a maybe a bit of a qualm with, it would be Jim Lachey solely based on the fact that he was only a one year starter at Ohio State. There's, you know, a lot of other guys in the balloting who were, you know, two time All-Americans. And so I, personally, I gave my fourth vote to uh, Warren Ambling, who's actually uh, a college football hall of famer. You know, I didn't see him play. Probably not many of our voters saw him play, but probably the most impressive uh, part of his resume is not only is he a college football hall of famer, he also started in the final four in, in NCAA basketball. So different time back then, but not, not many people who can put that on their resume. So because of that, I, I gave my fourth vote to Warren Ambling, but, uh, clearly, uh, a lot of our voters very impressed by uh, what they saw uh, from Jim Lachey and his Ohio State career, as it appears he will be in the top four. I'm kind of boring on this one. I don't really have a hot take in terms of, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't believe this guy was left out. So I'm sort of inclined to agree with the readers here. Um, I mean, I looked at all those Mangold, Parker, Bentley and Lachey, and I didn't really have a problem with any of them. So, I mean, it's not there wasn't a Cuso-esque omission of, oh, my God, how did this guy not get in here? So, yeah, I, I, I think the readers did a good job with that one. Well, Garrick, thanks for joining us once again here on Real Pod Wednesdays. Uh, I'll be on vacation next week. And so Griffin will be back uh, with a co-host to be named later next week and certainly looking forward to listening to what they have to say next week. And then I'll be back with Griffin in in two weeks as uh, we continue uh, counting down the weeks until football season. We're, get, we're getting closer. We're only uh, a little over a couple months now from college football season, uh, only about a month now from Big Ten Media Days. So it's going to be upon us before we know it. Uh, certainly, though, glad to have Garrick on the show this week to talk some recruiting and what's a busy time for Ohio State. And certainly expect uh, there will be more recruiting news to come uh, here in the coming weeks as uh, guys start making their announcements after uh, official visit season. So make sure you are visiting 11warriors.com, keeping up with Garrick's work on that front. And for all you loyal listeners out there, we'll look forward to talking to you again next week.